0: Hey, welcome to Weeaboo Hell. Sam's dead, figuratively. He has a high fever that's either the flu, coronavirus, or a lifetime of guilt. Either way, today it's just me. In our last episode, I expressed a fear of getting pre-cure pilled. For those of you joining in, let me explain that idea in English. English that doesn't require wasting your youth. One of the most popular, long-running children's anime series, in Japan it's called Pretty Cure. Labeling it an anime series is a little misleading. It's a manga, anime, toy, stage play, feature film, toy, video game, drama, and toy series. The lack of an American presence is a marketing failure, rarely seen in modern capitalist society. One comparison is the fact that no one in China really gives a shit about Star Wars. It's also a magical girl series, at a glance, it's for children that found Sailor Moon too heavy. Before going further, let me remind you of who I am. I'm a 29-year-old black American male of a stereotypical and or toxic masculine bent. Before the quarantine, I spent my weekends trying to impress nursing students with headspins. spins. Drinking isn't so much a medium as a end goal. I argue with people about pull-ups on the internet. I haven't worn a hat forwards since 2009, and I collect weapons that are legal under the letter of the law, but not the spirit. The parts of me that aren't gorilla are pretentious. I have degrees in literature from Princeton and Columbia. I've sold ads for brands you've heard of with tricks you haven't. I argue about joke structure on the internet. I'm in negotiations to sell a book about how much smarter I am than everyone else. This franchise was not made for me. Taking the time to view, let alone discuss it, will create a wound in the force. And I take responsibility for that wound. In fact, I'm proud of it. I watched the first 11 episodes of the new Precure series, Healthy Cure Precure. It's ongoing, much like the plague. These are my notes. Episode 1. Premise. There are three Neopets that work for a dog. The dog orders them to seek out their human partners, three ruthlessly color-coded human girls. Starting with Naruka, a terminally peppy girl that just moved into town. Everything is very, very bright. Like, hard to look at bright. It makes Jojo look like Gears of War. The setting has a wellness gimmick. For example, the forces of darkness are called pathogerms. I'd like to think that I don't have to explain that that's a play on pathogens, but half of you voted for a beauty pageant sex pest. Beyond that, everyone's hobbies are in the vein of fitness, clean eating, etc. It's essentially an action version of LazyTown. And while a summary is nice, I think a quote will do a little more work. For Princess Latte to get better, we have to purify the Megapathogerm. Then we have to make sure the Earth gets a treatment. Every line is essentially like this, or comic relief. Watching this pilot, I can't help but notice that I've wasted my life. But one thing I like, people can, and do, see the Neopets, and react to them in a pretty natural way. The animation has a bad case of mouth flaps. I'm going to give them all the rope in the world in terms of plot and dialogue. But kids have eyes. The best eyes of their lives, untouched by late night reading. They won't know why, but this show will look off. The episode ends with Nautilus combining with a rabbit to become a magical girl. But not just any magical girl, she's a precure. And the pinkest thing I have seen in my life. Forget crayons, meat, or adult films. This is the outer limit of pink. Decades of pink research have culminated in her. I'd like the record to show that Nadoka murders the fuck out of the Monster of the Week. They use the word purify, but their deployment of it is similar to the Inquisition's. Episode 2 This show is for children. Everything I jab at, another part of my brain says, well, what the fuck did you expect? And yet, death never comes. The Neopets here aren't just toys. They also bring out other toys, turn towards the camera in unison, and explain how cool and fun the toy is. That is how ruthless this is. If I was a Japanese parent, I would mail the studio a bomb Our antagonists are three annoying assholes of horns that work for a demon called King Pathogerm, in case you were confused. They are, respectively, Large, Bishounen, and Girl. You'd think a shoujo show would dodge that sort of gender trap, but, you know, here we are. The bad guy team's goal is making the world sick, which means that this show is probably changing direction this year. There's an old South Park joke about brown notes, you know, the musical cadence that makes you shit yourself involuntarily. I think that the main character's voice is my brown note. Imagine that way that preteen boys imitate women by loudly pitching their voices up. Now imagine a woman with a naturally high voice pitching her voice up the same way. It hurts. Anyway, we get Nautica's backstory. She was sick, and now she isn't. Rabirin, that's the rabbit, empathizes, and helps her beat up an evil tree. Just like the first boss monster, it says, HEALING, GOODBYE, before it dies. It's more than a little disturbing. Now I do have some points for Hufflepuff. There is an amusing gag when Nautica tries to sync with the wrong Neopet, and they just end up running headfirst into each other. I don't know, simple physical comedy. I'm a sucker for it, really. Episode 3. You know, I've never seen Astro Boy, and with how quickly life moves, there is a chance that I never will. I'll go to heaven, or, you know, the other option, with more memories of Precure than Tezuka. Anyway, Shindowine, the girl demon, wants to bang her boss. She may face the first workplace harassment suit in magical girl hell. And she brings that repressed energy to Earth to fuck some shit up. Nautica has two human friends, Nerd Robot and Failure. I'm honestly impressed with how efficiently they're slotted into their roles. We don't pretend, for an add 2nd that they won't be the recipients of the Penguin Neopet, and cat Neopet. Now in this episode, Robot Friend deduces the nature of the setting. Half through Inquiry, half through our borderline vegetable main character transforming in front of her and several other witnesses. She unites with her spirit animal, a bird with anxiety. Chucky from Rugrats seems to be one of the eternal children's media archetypes, along with, judging by this episode's villain, Bayonetta. There's something relaxing about watching degrade children's television as the world burns. No matter what happens, we'll need something to distract children from thinking. Concept. If everything in a program or setting is cute is anything, Syndrome may have had a point. I think all these characters need another one with eyes smaller than a dinner plate to interact with and bounce off of. I don't know if kawaii poisoning is real slang, but it should be. Anyway, the quote of the episode is, The hot water is crying. Oh, uh, note, the ED is a dance number in a different art style. Well, I shouldn't say art style, it's computer generated, but you get what I mean. It's somewhere between cell shading and a Hatsune Miku number. I see now that the future is here, and I am really... Not prepared for it. Episode 5. Are you ready for some hot exposition action? I actually was because I fell asleep during episode 4. Now the pre-Q girls have to fight the pathogerms because the old gods fell fighting King Pathogerm. The old gods are called healing animals, but I like my name better. Our heroes' three psychics are the last of the old gods. Old gods in training. New old gods. Failure is on the team now. Good for her. Robot nerd chews out failure for almost revealing the secret of the floating girls shooting laser beams. I'd prod at this more, but this show is for slow children. We then recycle the plot of the second episode, wherein one member of the team wants to quit because they're not as good at school as nerd robot. A bit of the Hermione Granger thing is setting in wherein you sort of start to wonder if we really need these other two fuck-ups. They reconcile at the aquarium, leading to a countdown until a water-themed monster shows up. It takes 12 minutes. Said monster doesn't put up much of a fight before the usual healing goodbye death rattle. Still disturbing. The one-note nature of the secondary girls kind of highlights that Nadoka has a no note character. She is bread flavored bread with a side of water. For the record, I'm doing this sober. Partially in the spirit of the exercise, and partially from an election night hangover. Episode 6 We're treating the world as apprentice doctors. That's a quote. Someone's going to die. Like, malpractice is barreling towards them. And Japan will still have better healthcare than we do. Failure seems to have all the personality in the main trio, which leads to her having at least 40% of any conversations given lines. This sounds painful, but her voice is much further from the brown note than our main character. So I'm actually there for it. This episode is mostly about the Neopets. So if that's what you're here for, congratulations cure is looking up. That said, I have grown to hate the penguin neopet. He is holding the others back with his weakness. If they want the triumph over the pathogerms, they need to eat him. Demon Bishi returns. He turns a strawberry spirit into a pissed off strawberry spirit. And I understand that pissed off strawberry spirit. If the rest of the Berry Grove stopped supporting geriatric fascists, maybe the Strawberry Spirit would be better adjusted. And you know, if the Blueberry Spirit hadn't asked to fuck Damien Eccles, maybe the Strawberry Spirit wouldn't have divorced the Blueberry Spirit two weeks after the wedding. I'm drinking now. Oh, a delayed observation the blue one is kind of just Sailor Mercury. Disposition, color scheme, power set, whole shebang. And I admire that kind of boldness. Kids don't give a single fuck about plagiarism. And the idea, well, clearly ran dry after healing animals. Second delayed observation. The spirit of the strawberries looks like an apple. I've decided that this means something deeper, and I'm awarding the show points for it. All hail the appleberry spirit. Episode 7. So I watch this on the PlayStation via theft. Because of the quirks of the interface, this means that I couldn't skip the opening. At all. A single time. I've heard the Pre-Cure OP seven times. So let me be clear when I say, fuck you all. Especially Sam. I hope your flu stomps your organs until they look like Rudy Giuliani's soul. Anyway, in this episode, they're being stalked by a student journalist. You know the character. High strung, halfway down the spectrum, and committed to a vision of muckraking you can't even find among Columbia School of Journalism graduates. As someone who has dated Columbia School of Journalism grad students, allow me to assure you that they stand by their values and expect you to pay for everything. The journalism plot drags for some time, which is surprising since it doesn't offer much opportunity to show off some hot new merchandise. I guess that this was their art episode? Dear Emmys, for your consideration, Precure, episode eight. Anyway, then they get attacked by a rain monster, which is why this episode's quote is, over there, the rain is crying. Thus begins the fight of the century. Like every other fight of the century, it starts with a three minute transformation sequence, and we get the entire sequence. Every fight, in every episode. Here's Precure's five moves of doom. Cure Scan, Group Dive Kick, Laser Beam, Element Charge, Precure Healing Flower. That last one's another Laser Beam. That's every fight for the rest of the series, and presumably franchise. On the other hand, it is a show for people that can't multiply yet. So this is my fault. Episode 8. I'm drinking Strega. It's a bright yellow liqueur Sam introduced me to. It's essentially Jägermeister for people without a pain fetish. As someone with a pointed pain fetish, I was internally divided. But I've grown to appreciate it. McDonald's is one of the show's sponsors, which really takes the weight off all the chatter about health and fitness. I've eaten at Japanese McDonald's. It's McDonald's. Garbage with a side of garbage, and that's before you get to the food. The Demon Funkies now do sort of Team Rocket comedy sketches at the start of episodes. It's not history's best bokeh Sukomi routine, but it adds some variety. And all of their voices are below the brown note pain register, which is merciful. Now this episode's about Nadoka wanting to be more like Robot Nerd. Sound familiar? This time, it's exacerbated by Robot nerd stunting on everyone in gym class, and Notoka watching the sidelines like she wants to cut off her skin and run in her stead. This dedication inspires Robot Nerd to run better later in the episode, until Bishy Demon does the thing and summons the monster of the week. I touched on this, but they do the full Pretty Cure transformation sequence every time. I hope they enjoy the budget they saved from this move, because those are the wages of sin. If I sound mad, it's only because the pre-cure transformation music is now hard-coded into my conscious and subconscious mind. This healing goodbye thing the monsters say upon dying is starting to fuck with me. I suspect that those will be my last words before I die. Episode 9. This episode opens with a joke about failure making TikTok videos. They don't say TikTok, but it's TikTok. Which, because of TikTok's dark past as Musical.ly, forces me to wonder if the Precure universe has human predators. I think that's what happens when a pathogerm lands on your genitalia. Which, come to think of it, might not be the worst case scenario for this universe. The team seems to be 10 for 10 in terms of kicking monsters to death. So, while it might be the most horrifying episode of Precure ever, they could dispatch a predator with relative ease after following his trail of victims. Long story short, I'm pitching Precure, SVU. Watch the website, evilcom for the script. Then they go to the mall. They go to the mall in this one. Failure wants clothes or something. Nodoka almost gets mauled to death by mall rats, in what genuinely seems like the closest we get in the series to real danger. Nerd Robot doesn't do much of anything because she could be replaced in the show with a gun turret that does math. Which, as technology marches forward, will be all gun turrets. Next week. I wonder what happens after the machines make us all vestigial. At some point, likely within our lifetimes, they'll be able to write, direct, and animate their own episodes of Precure. After that, they'll move on to more difficult tasks. Like opening doorknobs and saying, Hi. That was a sick burn, wasn't it? that I made against this children's cartoon. I'm on fucking fire tonight. You are so lucky to have me. Anyway, Failure has a solo match against, Mall germ? The gem thing is getting real loose. It's either perfume or ruby. Either way, Failure loses until her friends come to save her, which is in line with her character up to now. Don't be like Failure, kids. Also, Nerd Robot can make ice cream now. Finally, failure learns to shoot lightning, and I take back everything. This is great. If you don't work that hard, and you let your friends drag you to the finish line, you can get the sweetest powers on the show. And that is a moral I can get behind. Episode 10. I've got a date tomorrow. The first one since Broadway Girl last month. Here's my opening. I'm Denard. I spent last night drinking until 4 am, watching Precure, a cartoon for preteen girls, about preteen girls. Want to head back to my place now, or should I describe my anime podcast first? I'll wait. In this episode, the Precure girls go on a trip. Naroka makes it about 40 seconds into the episode before nearly dying. Her mother, Nerd Robot, saves her life. Failure misses the entire exchange, which I'll admit is fairly tight and consistent character dynamic. A team of alcoholics could make an episode of the show around any topic with minimal. Ah, I see. Anyway, get this the demons try making. multiple monsters. By Chojin Sentai standards, that's a Sun Tzu move. It's a little bit of the best of Game of Thrones and Battlestar Galactica mixed together as someone that aspires to tactical and personal death in his own work. I was impressed. The loyalty of our heroes gets tested as well. On one hand, Nautica wants to stop the demonic monstrosity from turning our world into a graveyard. On the other hand, she's surrounded by expensive paintings, and it would suck if those got destroyed in the crossfire. It's the conflict that defines modern society. Property versus people. She makes her choice, and has to live with it for the rest of her life. Nerd Robot, on the other hand, has to fight an evil dandelion. She does so with relative ease, raising the question. Does she need the rest of Precure, or are they simply keeping her from doing what needs to be done? This is clearly the beginning of her walk down the path of darkness. And I'll admit, I'm happy with that. We can clean the outside world, but can we clean our souls? I assume failure did something too. She has lightning, so she gets a free pass in my book. It's a black rule stretching back to storm, black lightning, static shock. If lightning hits ya, you're a sister. As far as I'm concerned, yellow pre girl is my nigga. Where'd all my Straga go? Episode 11 This isn't art. This isn't art. It's better. It's pure content, liberated from all ego and pretense. A direct injection of joy into the lives of girls and man-children around the world. And what art has achieved that? Hail to Precure and its vision of a softer, pinker world. By the way, my fan Precure's name is Anastasia, or Annie, as she's known among the mortals in her middle school. She's green, which is like leader red, but cooler. Look forward to her adventures in Precure Hell. Anyway, this has been Weaboo Hell. It's Weaboo Hell. I think I went fucking crazy watching this. Have a great weekend. I always appreciate you listening. And Godspeed.